0: I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to Episode 71 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and spike that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, the NFL season is finally upon us. I know for many of you dads out there, this Sunday will be kind of like Christmas morning. But the season officially gets underway tonight between the Atlanta Falcons and the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you rewind the podcast a few episodes, you will find interviews with first-class fathers representing both of those teams. Back in episode 65, I had Hall of Famer and longtime Falcon Morton Anderson. And just a few episodes back in episode 67... I had former Philadelphia Eagles wideout Shea E. Ajuratutu. So if you get a minute, please go back and take a listen to those interviews. But to get you into the NFL spirit tonight, I have an incredible guest, one of the greatest players to ever play in the NFL. Uh, This is a guy that went from stocking shelves in a grocery store for $5 an hour to becoming a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, He was a part of the greatest show on turf. He's now a first class father and you're going to find him all over your television sets this coming season. I am grateful to have Kurt Warner joining me here on the podcast today. So please stick around for that. He will be joining me here in just a moment. And please lock it in for tomorrow. A very special episode 72. I will be joined by gold star parents, first class parents, Karen and Billy Vaughn, whose Navy SEAL Team 6 son, Aaron Vaughn, was killed in 2011 in what was known as Extortion 17. I know there is a lot of talk on social media right now about sacrifice. Um, Their son, Aaron, who was also a first class father, uh, made the ultimate sacrifice. And I, as well as the rest of this nation, owe a great deal of gratitude to the Vaughn family. So please, do not miss tomorrow's episode. It will be a very special one. It It will be the most important episode that I have done to date. So please lock it in and share the podcast with anybody that you know. And continuing with my military salute as we lead up to the anniversary of 9-11 here, I will be joined on Monday by former Navy SEAL and very passionate motivational speaker, Ray Cash Care. And on Tuesday, September 11th, I will be joined here by former Army Airborne Ranger, Sean Parnell, who has a new book dropping that day, Man of War. So come on, dads, let's go. Hit that subscribe button. Please share this podcast with any father that you know, any father that's in your circle. Fatherhood rocks and family values rule, and we're celebrating both right here where every day is Father's Day. All right, so let me smack you with a quick spot here on how you can help contribute to the podcast to help keep it going if you're interested. And I will be right back here with legendary Hall of Fame quarterback, Kurt Warner. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a First Class father who is also enshrined in the National Football League Hall of Fame. He is a Super Bowl winning MVP quarterback. You can find him most Sundays on the NFL Network. It is my privilege to say, Kurt Warner, welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
1: Now you bet. Glad to be on.
0: All right, let me throw a couple at you here. How many
1: kids do you have and how old are they? (laughs) I have... Seven kids now, uh, 29, 26, um, 19, 17, 14, and then 12-year-old twins to finish it. And uh, I've also got two grandkids, one that's just a a week old and uh, a granddaughter that's just over a year.
0: All right, yes, I I did see that tweet a little while back. Congratulations on the new grandkid. All right, walk me through what were some of the difficulties of being such a high-level elite NFL player while also being a father?
1: Well, I mean, I think always balancing time with careers uh, is always one of the big challenges, is uh, making sure that uh, you can show your kids how important it is to be great at what you do, uh, while at the same time making sure uh, they know that, you know, you're a, they're a priority, and that being a dad is number one, um, although, you know, career can be very important as well, and uh, always trying to figure out how you balance it because what I learned a long time ago is that balance doesn't always mean equal. Uh, by that I mean you're not going to be able to give your wife eight hours, your job eight hours, and your kids eight hours of every single day. That uh, To me, balance means when I have time to focus on my wife, focus on my wife. When I have time to focus on my kids, focus on my kids. And when it's time to focus on my job, focus on my job. But um, make sure The effort and attention is balanced um, no matter how many hours in a day that, you know, that equals for for each of those different areas.
0: Yeah, well said. That's something that a lot of dads struggle with. I know I could speak for myself of keeping my focus on what I'm doing at times can be a challenge. Uh, I can assure you right now I'm focused on this interview. So let me hit you with another question. Uh, Everything that we know now about CTE makes it kind of difficult for most dads to decide whether or not. Uh, to let their kids play tackle football. I know you've had some kids play football. I don't know if you have any kids playing football right now. uh. But what is your feeling or what is your opinion on young kids playing contact sports, especially football?
1: Uh, You know, I have a 19-year-old that's playing at the University of Nebraska right now. I have a 14-year-old that's just starting high school and playing tackle football as well. Um, you know, and it's a tough question because I love the game. I love what the game taught me. I love what the game's brought me and brought my family. Uh, I wouldn't trade any of it for anything. Um, but, you know, that's with a helmet on. When you put the helmet on, that's my perspective. When I put the father hat on, um, you know, there's there's different ways I look at it. Is that I want them to do what they're passionate about, what they love doing, and I'm going to support that at all costs. Um, but I'm also – I also understand the risk. Uh, that go with playing football and uh none of us ever want our kids to be put into a situation where they're at risk and it doesn't matter what it is you know you put them in an environment with people that you're not comfortable with you put them in a car when they're age 16 um, you know or you put them on a football field where you know there are inherent risks uh, I think we all want to try to protect our kids from those types of things Um but they choose to play I definitely support them. I've actually coached my kids. But that's one area that I make sure that if my kids are playing, I am heavily involved. I'm, you know, very conscious of what's going on, being taught, um, you know, what happens to them in every practice and every game so I can communicate um, and we can communicate if, you know, anything ever happens, you know, if they ever suffer a concussion or some kind of injury that they're always communicating and letting me know what's going on. And if they're not, I'm right there to be able to see, hey, they're just not acting right. You know, something doesn't seem right or that hit there, we need to make sure we check somebody, um, you know, after that. And so I try to make sure I'm very hands-on with the football process um, because I do understand those inherent risks that are definitely going to be there uh, with tackle sports.
0: All right. I know you have coached your kids in the past. Have you kind of stepped away from that now, and are you watching more from the sidelines, or are you still are are you involved in coaching your kids?
1: No, I I do coach them. Uh, I have coached, uh, yeah, I've coached my kids uh, almost as long as they've been playing. Um, I'm coaching at the high school now, where my son plays. I coach my other son all through high school. Um, So, like I said, when it gets to that level, and you're playing competitive. physical uh, tackle football, I want to make sure that uh, I'm either very, very comfortable with the people that are coaching my kids or I'm hands-on and I'm there so I can monitor and watch everything that goes on from what they're being taught to, um, to what may happen physically to them uh, throughout the course of a practice or a game.
0: All right. I know another big concern facing many fathers out there is social media and all the technology behind it. I have a 12 year old and an 11 year old myself. So I'm right on the brink of getting involved in all this. What kind of advice could you give about how to handle social media with your children?
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, anytime you have responsibility, um, whatever that is, whether it's responsibility for um, your actions, responsibility for the words that you put out there, the fact that Something you put on the internet um, will be will last forever, and it will have you know far reaching consequences. Uh, I think with that responsibility comes you know comes two sides of a coin it, is it gives you an unbelievable platform to impact people and make a difference positively uh, while at the same time uh, because of that freedom, it also gives you the incredible opportunity to um especially when you're a young kid that makes mistakes anyways uh to make viral mistakes that can uh that can hang with you for a long time so uh i love social media i think it's a tremendous platform um, but i think you have to be very conscious and aware of how it can be used for and against you and um, you know you got to make sure that you're using it for your, yourself uh that means think before you tweet um, you know before you post videos that means maybe ask someone else how they would read or take something that you, uh, that you put out there because sometimes you can have one intention, as we all know, via text or via Twitter and everybody can read it a completely different way. So I think it's very important to make sure you monitor that and, uh, you know, have checks and balances and make sure you hold yourself accountable because you don't ever want to put anything out there that was unintended or that you didn't see from a particular light and have it follow you, uh, you know, into the future and and maybe even prevent you from being able to accomplish things that you want to accomplish.
0: All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. All right, let me use that to kind of segue into my next question here. Uh, You put out a tweet recently talking about one of the most difficult topics in the NFL right now. Uh, What is your feeling or opinion on the players' Who are taking a knee during our national anthem, and what effect is that having on the kids?
1: Well again, I think anytime we're put in a position of uh responsibility, position of power or influence, um, we have to always understand that our actions uh are going to be seen are going to be emulated are going to be critiqued or criticized, uh, whatever that may be, and so you know I think we have to understand that uh first and foremost, um, as far as the players that are kneeling. I am one that I think it's extremely important in life to always try to put yourself in the other person's shoes instead of simply always making your opinions known from your point of view or from your background. And so, you know, these situations with the players kneeling, um, you know, I think that the worst part is that it's taken on a different narrative that I've not once seen a player Speak about you know this idea that it's a protest of the national anthem. It's a protest to our military and our servicemen and women. Um, I've never heard a single player say that. Every person that I've heard talk about it is saying we're taking this stand or oh, we're taking this knee as a means of drawing attention and using our platform um, to try to you know, to try to do something and create change in the areas of you know, racial equality and, um you know, and those types of things. And so uh, I, I think that's the first problem is we've changed the narrative and made it into something that it's not. I think the other part is, you know, that we all have to stand up and say, okay, I may not agree with the means by which they do it, but I can't sit here and, you know, and judge someone just because I wouldn't do it. You know, that that doesn't make it wrong. Uh, that doesn't mean it's something they shouldn't do, just because I would choose something different. If you were choosing to say, I don't agree with what they're standing up for, which is the social equality and the social injustice that were, if you said, well, I don't agree with that. You know, I don't want to fight for that. That's one thing. You You can have an opinion on that. But when it comes to, hey, I agree with what they're making their statement for. I just don't think they should do it that way. Sure, you can have that opinion, but we all have to choose how we want to stand for anything in life. How we want to, um, you know, to discipline our children, right? How we go about our jobs, you know, the way we want to carry ourselves from a character standpoint. When we see an injustice, how do we handle that? You know, what what do we want to do in that situation? When we're walking down the street and we see something happen that. You know, in a normal setting, we would stand up for and stop. In that setting, do we do the same thing? Or do we choose to say, well, it's not my place there, so, you know, I'm going to walk away. I mean, we have decisions to make all the time about how we're going to stand for things that we believe are right or wrong or things that need to change. And I'm not going to sit here and say, well, even though maybe I wouldn't do it that way, they shouldn't do it that way. If that's where the way they feel they can make the biggest impact, on the biggest platform that they have, um, and they can, you know, project it and say it and, and explain it with, you know, the, the, the reason for their cause, uh, I'm always going to back people in those situations, you know. And, again, it doesn't mean that I would do it the same way, but it doesn't mean they're wrong in standing up or kneeling in that manner and in that time. And I think that's what we, we too often lose sight of is we say, this is what I would do, so anything else is wrong as opposed to saying, hey, I love what they stand for. I love what they're believing in. I wish they would do it on another platform, but I can still support them, even though I don't agree with that platform, because I believe in what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish. And I believe that's the case with with these players, is they're simply doing it to try to create change positively for our country uh, in the areas that, that they've determined. And I don't think we should ever fault someone for like for someone like, something like that. It's okay to have dialogue. It's okay to try to figure out better ways uh, if you feel that there's a better way to do it. But I don't think we fault someone for standing up for something that I think you know the majority of people in our country would 100% stand up for and and, and fight for if they were given a platform that they believe in.
0: Okay, fair points. I can't say that I'm in total agreement with you there. I I do think it's the wrong platform, but I appreciate you weighing in on the topic. Uh, Let's move it along here. Uh, You've had a very successful career in front of the camera there. You have a very charismatic uh, personality. Do any of your kids show any interest in following your footsteps behind the camera and kind of getting involved in television?
1: (laughs) That hasn't really been in their plans yet. Um, You know, but but I think you know, the bottom line, as I always tell my kids, I say, as much as you can, take opportunities to speak to people, whether it's speech classes, whether it's getting up in front of your classes and talking to people, um, you know, being able to have phone calls instead of text messages, being able to go out and sell something for your school to raise money for your football team or your swim team, be able to project and carry yourself and hold a conversation and hold someone's attention with, um, with your ability to speak. Because I think so many jobs, um, if you have the ability to communicate, um, you can do a lot of things, and you can find something that you're passionate about to um, to speak on. And so, you know, I have kids that, that love sports. I have kids that are you know passionate about different things, and I wouldn't be surprised at some point in time if if they got into speaking about it on a daily or on uh, a daily basis or in a career basis. Um, I don't know if any will end up on TV talking about football. Um, but, I hope they all have the ability to communicate extremely well in whatever in, in whatever position they take uh, as they move forward in life
0: okay, with seven kids i 'm curious. Have you ever been approached about doing a reality show about your family, and would you ever consider it
1: yeah we 've been approached a number of times over the years to do uh, to do a reality show um, you know and I think again there would be there would be great things about it. But, you know, I think that the hard part about television is that at the end of the day, it's still television. And television always is about creating conflict and, uh, you know, being able to, uh, to create something that people are, are drawn to. And a lot of times, um, it has to have, you know, positive flair and oftentimes a negative flair. And, um, we were just, you know, very conscious of when we did this that we'd really built on, um, you know, our careers and our lives on, uh, projecting a certain thing and making sure um, that our character stood above everything else. And we were just concerned at any point in time that, um, you know, whether it's through editing um, or, or through the way that they were trying to draw the show, that it could take what we've built uh, from a reputation standpoint and take it in a, in a different direction. Um, and we weren't willing to take that chance. You know, not that it would have been a bad thing. I think there could have been some great opportunities and a great way to impact people through big families and discipline and being able to resolve conflict and all those great things. Um, but, again, when you're not in full control of something at the end of the day, um, you know, it's always difficult to, to sign on, and uh, especially when you're talking about your everyday lives, your children, your family, and things that, uh, that are very much uh, prized possessions, so to speak, to you.
0: Yeah, I can definitely appreciate that. Well said. All right. One thing that I like to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast here, what kind of advice could you give to the new father or to that
1: about-to-be dad that's out there listening? <laughs> um, you know, I think the one piece of advice that I can, you know, can always give is that um, there's not a book out there that um, that is flawless in telling you how to be a parent, uh, how to handle every situation. Uh, how to do everything right and make sure you handle, um you know, all your different kids with different personalities and, and all of that correctly, that the one piece of advice that I would give and that I've found to kind of hold true is that regardless of how perfect or imperfect you are or regardless of how perfect or imperfect your children may be, uh the bottom line is every day make sure that they know you love them, that regardless of where you've missed it or where they've missed it, that it doesn't affect the way that you love them, the way you feel about them, the way you will, you know, go to bat for them in any and every situation. Um, and I think that's the bottom line in our family is that my kids know every day that they are loved without question and that they have their two greatest advocates are going to be their mom and their dad, uh, in every facet and in every way possible. And, um, and we're not perfect. You know, we've messed up and had to apologize and they've done the same. Um, but that doesn't make us waver uh, in that unconditional love and, and the way uh, we feel towards them each and every day. And I would say to any father out there, make sure your kids know that every time you go to sleep, every time they, they, their heads hit the pillow, that there's no question, that there's never a question in their mind how much you really love them.
0: Yeah, well said. All right, the NFL season is upon us. Uh, tell us, where can we find Kurt Warner this year?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I'm continuing to do the things that I've done in the past few years. I'll be on the NFL network, um, you know, here and there, but definitely every Sunday morning on NFL game day morning, uh, with our cast of characters. I'll be doing, uh, the majority of the Monday night radio broadcast for Westwood One, local radio station. So if you're, uh, tuning in to listen to the Monday night game, um, you know, I'll be doing it with Kevin Harlan. I, I think we do a, a really good broadcast and it's a lot of fun. So those will be my Sundays and Mondays. Um, Outside of that, I'll be uh, continuing to do things with my my foundations, the First Things First Foundation, our New Endeavor Treasure House, which is um, a community living facility for young adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities that we're opening uh, actually this weekend here in Arizona. Um, And I'll I'll be coaching high school football, and I'll be chasing the rest of my kids around, and um, uh, hopefully uh, in between there, I'll be taking my wife on either date nights or date days and, uh, making sure that she gets some priority time as well. And, um, no shortage of things to do. It's just, um, always moving and shaking and, uh, always love this time of year.
0: Awesome. Good stuff, man. This has been a lot of fun, Kurt. I will definitely put a link to your foundation in the description of this podcast when I post it. And I got to say, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time here on first class fatherhood.
1: You bet. I appreciate what you're doing with the the podcast and I appreciate being on.
0: All right. We'll be right back after a quick spot. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Kurt Warner for giving me a few minutes of his time here on the podcast. And uh, please drop me a line on Twitter, guys. Hit me on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's podcast. I'd be very curious to hear your thoughts. And best of luck to whatever team you are rooting for this upcoming NFL season, which gets underway tonight. And please be sure to lock it into First Class Fatherhood for tomorrow's episode, episode 72. It's going to be a very special one. I'll be joined here by Gold Star Parents, First Class Parents, Karen and Billy Vaughn. And as I said earlier, next week, I continue on with my military salute. I'll be joined here by Ray Cash Care, Sean Parnell, Brent Gleason, Sean Matson, and also First Class Father and best-selling author Brad Meltzer will be stopping by. He has a book of his own dropping on 9-11 called I Am Neil Armstrong. And I am Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please, guys, don't forget, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.